James chapter 1, beginning reading at verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. For the past few weeks, we've been dealing with the subject of stress and anxiety. Uh, reading from James chapter 1, we've seen that stress is predictable. We saw last week that stress, or week before last, that stress is problematic. And tonight I want to talk about the fact that stress can be paradoxical. What do I mean by that? Well, paradox by definition means a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. With that being said, stress to me is indeed a paradox. Now notice what James says in our text. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, which means different trials and testings. Do you think it's a joy to fall into trials and to testing? Normally we don't think of the words trial, testing, and anxiety, and joy being used in the same sentence. But yet he says right here in the Word of God, most of us look at stressful trials and we look at the particular test filled with anxiety as a taste of a living hell rather than to count it the joy. Note if you will, how much joy did he say we were supposed to have when we were going through trials? All joy. All joy. To me, that's a paradox. Some of the stress and anxiety that I have felt just this week alone just this week alone. And I'm saying, God, how do I have all joy in the midst of everything that's been on my plate and all the things that's going on within my life? We would think it would be more of a joy if we could avoid the trials, if we could avoid the temptations, if we could avoid uh, the tests of life. Talk about a paradox. Now, the, the, the admonition that James gives us in this text, it seems to contradict uh, the very way that we deal with difficulties uh, within our life. We must read and think that James must have been some kind of a super saint. Uh, this man must have been able to walk on water uh, when you look at what he had to say here, counted all joy when you face the trials and the temptations of life. How do we find joy in the journey when it's filled with stress and it's filled with anxiety? Had we written this verse, or at least had I written it, I'd probably put it this way. Count it all joy when you escape trials and various temptations. Count it all joy when you escape these things. That's the way I'd have written it. How about you? It seems to make more sense that way, but that's not what he said. Now, we all live in Florida, and we know what hurricane season is all about. I remember several years ago when we had three hurricanes that went back to back right through the middle of our county. Remember those days? It looked like a bomb went off. I mean, it was carnage left everywhere. It was trees falling. and You remember those days. And then we didn't have service last week because of why? Uh, the hurricane uh, Ian that came through. And by the grace of God, I think we all parred pretty well through that. Uh, a little damage, but not anything that was all that bad. We consider it a joy when we escape those kind of things, when we escape those trials. I don't know about you, but when hurricane season is over, I don't miss the stress and the anxiety that's associated with the possibility of a hurricane coming our way. But here in our text, James says, count it all joy when you come into stressful situations in your life 
that may cause anxiety. To me, that's a paradox. That's a paradox. How do we have joy when the trials and tests brings pressure and anxiety to our life? Now, some medical professionals tell us that stress and anxiety are not necessarily an enemy to be avoided. They tell us, like James of old, some tell us, rather than to avoid the stress, it's better to see stress as a friend and not a foe if we can learn how to deal with stress and not let stress deal with us, and then we can learn that something good can come out of what we've been through. And that's the problem. We are often myopic in that we are short-sighted and we don't see what good can come out of the mess we're in. We're always up to our eyeballs uh, in the stress and the anxiety. We need to learn to look ahead and not just look at where we are. And that's the hardest thing in life that we probably can do. Now, speaking as a pastor, I will remind you that more times than not, the most stressful jobs are the ones that we're not suited to to begin with. How about that? The most stressful jobs can often be the ones that we're not suited for to begin with. As a pastor, I don't remember any position that God's ever given me I felt qualified for. There's not a church I've ever taken that I felt qualified for. There's not a position that God's ever opened the door for I felt qualified for. There's not anything I've ever done that I have felt qualified for. But here's the thing. I can be stressed out about pastoring. I can be stressed out about writing a book. I can be stressed out about witnessing. I can be stressed out about all the different things that God has allowed me or asking me to do in my ministry. What I've had to learn, with the calling comes the equipping. With the leading comes the enablement of the Holy Spirit. With the touch of God, He gives everything that I need to do what needs to be done in that job, in that position that God has called me to at that particular moment. And that helps me reduce the stress in my life that's associated with it. You don't understand my life, church. I don't have a bit of self-esteem. I'm very shy. I'm very backward in life. And yet when God called me, I said, you made the first mistake in your life, Lord. You called me. I can't stand before anybody. I can't do this. And the only reason I know I'm doing it because when I can't, he does. I know what the anointing of God is. I know what it's not too. But I know what the anointing of God is to where you can do what you could not do before. So if I, there have been times I have gone to places where God's asked me to minister and it's all I could do not to get in the car and turn around and take off without even going. But I knew God put me there and I said, God, I'm putting one foot in front of the other. Stress, anxiety. But I had to look ahead and say, but something good is going to come from this. And when you put yourself in the position God places you in, it's amazing what his enablement and his ability will do through you if you'll step out by faith and simply obey him. Now, if and when you're experiencing high levels of stress, it might be a good idea uh, to see, indeed, if you're in God's will and you're doing the work that God truly asks of you to do. Sometimes being out of the will of God can put on tons and tons and tons of added stress. So we need to ask ourselves sometimes, am I doing what God's asked me to do and am I doing it in the place God's asked me to do it? Are you with me? And once we realize those type things, that can release a lot of stress as well. He wants us to do what we do for our good and he wants us to do what we do for his glory. Now stress is much more than a four-letter word. Understand this. Most of the time our problems come when we react to stress rather than act on the issues. We are a reactionary group of people most of the time, are we not? 
But God wants us to act upon the issues of life. Now, remember when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, he seems to emphasize the importance of our reaction as opposed to the actions that we do. He said, when stressful circumstances, when stressful situations come your way, such as somebody hitting you on the right cheek, how do we react to that? We want to give them the five-fold ministry. But no, we turn the other. What does he say? He said that when your stressful circumstances come our way, when someone steals your coat, then it's our reaction that matters the most. Give them your cloak also, not the five-fold ministry. We should and we must count it all joy when we fall into divers' temptations. You say, Pastor, I hear you, but I don't swim that deep. Well, hang on. The Greek translation of the phrase counteth all joy in a manner that says that the joy that we read about comes after the trial is over. Not while we're in the trial, not while we're facing the trial, but once the trial is over. That's why we're often so myoptic and tunnel vision because all we see is the trial. We see the test. We feel the anxiety. We feel the stress. But according to the way it says, count of all joy, it's futuristic. It's not what we're going through. It's what we're going to. It's what we're going to have when we come out if we maintain the proper attitude in the midst of it. Now, the word in the Greek means we're to think ahead or think forward. Job was thinking ahead when he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, Job did not consider losing his health a joy. Job did not consider losing his flocks and his herd and his farms a joy. Job certainly did not think losing his kids was a joy. There's no way he could have thought that. And yet he was looking forward to what would come afterward that where the joy came in. That, my friend, is living by faith. And that is trusting God. That's living. Now, you know what? This is not going to make you shout because you're sitting there going, what? How do you count it joy going through? It's, what you're, it's not what we're going through, friend. If we can maintain that if God has put me where I'm at, if God has placed me where I am, he knows that stress is coming. He knows that trials are coming. He knows that temptations and tests are coming. And he knows anxiety and stress is going to be part of that. But what do I do? Do I react toward that or do I act upon it? And say, God, life is good and life is bad. Life has its mountains and life has its valleys. There are times I'm on top of the mountain. There are times the mountain's on top of me, but you're still God. And because I'm in your will, I'm going to maintain the right relationship with you and the right attitude that I need Joy will come in the morning. But for right now, God, I'm hurting. It's painful, but I'm looking beyond my pain. I'm looking beyond my afflictions. I'm looking beyond my anxiety. I'm looking beyond my stress. And I know something good is coming because that's who you are. That's who you are, God. Just being a Christian does not mean we are exempt from trials and testings. Just being a Christian does not mean we're exempt from anxiety and stress. Just being a Christian does not mean uh, that we're exempt from all of these things. That's part of life. James said they're coming, so count it the joy. And attitude determines our altitude, how high we're going to go with the Lord. Look at the life of Joseph for a moment this evening. He counted it all joy. Why? He too thought ahead. 
after years of abuse by his brothers, hatred and rejected by other people, falsely accused and imprisoned, accused of sexual impropriety. The list goes on and on. He finally was placed in a position where he could reveal to his brothers who he was and was able to say, you meant it for my harm, but God meant it for my good. Now the day of identity came, and he said, but as for me, you thought evil, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Was Joseph able to escape all the trials? No. Was Joseph able to escape all the loneliness? No. Was Joseph able to escape all the isolation and all those confusing years? No. Was Joseph able to escape the hate of his brothers? No. Was he able to escape the sexual impropriety placed against him? No. Was he able to escape the years in prison, incarcerated, and saying, God, what's going on? No, he didn't escape it. He went through it, but he looked beyond all of that as he was going through it and said, something good has got to be coming out of this because that's who God is. He knew God had led him. He knew God was providing for him. And even though he was so low down, he had to reach up to touch the bottom. He purposed in his mind, God has a plan somehow. He had heard from God and he knew God had his hand on the circumstances. Therefore, Joseph could think ahead. You ever get caught where you are thinking right where you are? I do. And it's depressing. But if we can think ahead, what good can come? Look, if you will, about Jesus. Look at the suffering he went through. Falsely accused. Falsely accused of wrongdoing, even though he was innocent. Accused of being cohorts with the devil himself. He was lied about. Suffered pain. Misunderstanding and rejection. He himself agonized in prayer, gave his best and was rejected by the best and rejected by the worst. Suffered intense agony at the hands of Roman soldiers. Suffered intense emotional agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying as if though he sweat drops of blood. Suffered vicarious death upon the cross of Calvary and was killed for crimes he himself had never done. You think there was joy in all of that? None whatsoever. Died a horrible, painful, shameful death. But from the cross, he even felt forsaken by God on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, the writer of Hebrews says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did Jesus count the false accusations as joy? No. Did he count the scourging as joy? No. Did he count uh, the vicious attacks upon him as joy? No. Did he count the prayer in Gethsemane as joy? No. Did he, did, he, did he think that the death on the cross, painful as it was, was joy? No. He thought ahead. I can't help but believe he had me on his mind. I can't help but believe he had you on his mind. I cannot believe he saw a redeemed world upon his mind. He thought beyond the trials and the anxieties and his weak compassion. Therefore, he's able to bear up under the stress and anxiety of the cross. Do you understand the point I'm getting at? It's not what we're going through that brings the pain and the anxiety and the grief and the stress. We're heading somewhere. 
And this is part of the bumpy road that gets us where we're going. But if we keep cursing the bumps, not literally, if we keep complaining about the bumps, if we, it's not fair, you're not fair, God, you're this, that. No, we're going to keep circling that same, that same mountain over and over and over again. Now, here's the question for the evening. Can we be like Job? Can we be like Joseph? Can we be like Jesus? When we go through trials and tests that produce anxiety and stress in our lives. Can we do as James said to do? Count it all joy, all joy, my brethren, when you fall into divers temptations. Can you think ahead in the middle of the circumstances and stressful situations? Have you considered a joy to be in the midst of stress and anxiety brought about by the situations and circumstances you may be facing right now? And you know, here's, the, here's the kicker. For Job, it lasted for some 13 years. I mean, for, uh, for, for Joseph. For Job, it was some 13, 14 months. We don't get out of this stress anxiety just like that. Sometimes it goes like that. Sometimes it goes like that. Stress is part of life. Anxiety is part of life. Well, Pastor, you're sure not encouraging me any tonight. James is not saying we're supposed to have joy in the midst of the stressful circumstances. Rather, he says we're to have joy in what lies ahead. As we pass through the trial and the test, we're guided and we're guarded by the peace of God. I believe that Job had a certain amount of peace in what he went through. I believe Joseph had peace in what he went through. And I believe that Jesus had peace in what he went through. And I know peace of God when I, when, when I go through it. Do you? But you know what? I've got to stay in the presence of God for it. I can work myself up in a state. My wife says I'm too vulnerable with you all. I can work myself up in a state of depression just like that. Anybody else? Am I the only one few of us out here? I can. I can get on my pity party quicker than anybody in this world. But if I don't stay in the presence of God and say, Lord, I'm full of stress. I'm full of anxiety. Life has not been fair. This not happened right. Blah, 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 blah. But it's in the presence of the Lord that we find the fullness of joy looking ahead at what might be. The Bible lets me know there's a light at the end of the tunnel and thank God it's not an oncoming train. Praise the Lord for that. Paul said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here again is the paradox of stress. The very work, the very work that can stress us out from time to time is also one of the most important satisfactions to our life. Think about that. That's an oxymoron or a paradox. The thing that brings us the greatest stress is probably what brings us the most fulfillment in our life. That which brings us the greatest pain can one day bring us the greatest joy if we handle it the right way. Jesus excruciating pain, but because of that we're born again, brought him joy. Joseph excruciating pain mentally, physically, spiritually, you name it, emotionally. But yet don't you think he had joy when he was reunited with his father? when he saw the whole nation of Israel spared, all because he passed the test that God let him go through. Tests many times are final examination day. 
And the problem with test is many times God gives us the test before he gives us the lesson. I had a professor in seminary one time and he gave this test and I said, Doc, I don't do tests well. All you'll do is find I said, you don't understand. I said, I can stay up all night long and study for a blood test and go to the doctor and fail it. You'll do fine, you'll do fine. But tests are hard, but tests are part of life and God puts us in those final exams and the curriculum that he gives sometimes on the road of hard knocks is very, very difficult. But that which brings us the greatest stress and anxiety can be the very thing that brings us the greatest joy in life. Stress and anxiety go with the nature of what we do. Anybody ever have a job that didn't have some stress in it? Anybody ever have a job that did not have stress in it? Anybody? Anybody ever have a job that had stress in it? How many of you thought you worked at stress? It, how many of you enjoyed the job you did? A few of you? Yeah, good. But the point is, it brings stress along the way. Stress and anxiety comes with what we do. Therefore, we've got to learn to deal with stress before stress and anxiety deals with us. I wish we could get a shot, swallow a pill, or take some stress immunization, if we could, that worked to protect us from the realities of life. You know, back when President Trump was president and the COVID was hitting pretty bad, he went on a campaign, if I remember correctly, to try to get some drug that would combat the COVID and they put it on warp speed. Remember that? Warp speed. Well, there's no shot to take and no pill to swallow, but there's something we can do to deal with stress and anxiety. Are you with me? Let's call it the paradoxal, the paradox prescription program. The Paradox Prescription Program. Prescription means an instruction written by a medical practitioner that authorizes a patient uh, to be provided a medicine or treatment. So let's pretend the prescription is written by Dr. Jesus himself. Dr. Jesus still makes house calls, praise God. He wrote the book on it. He overcame it. And he has a powerful prescription to help us to overcome the stress and the anxiety in the course of our lives as well. Are you ready? Have a paradoxical mindset. Have a paradoxical mindset. In other words, let's approach life with a mindset that stress and anxiety are going to be a major part of our life. If anybody ever tells you, you come to a place in your, your salvation with God that you never have stress or anxiety, I believe you've just been lied to. We often think, or at least I did, the older I get, the less stress and anxiety we should have. No. I've heard people say, if I can just retire, no. They don't, they don't eliminate it. If I, can just get on, if I can just get on Medicare, I had this guy tell me, boy, when you get 65, you know, Medicare, you're going to have it made. Well, I did that. and No, stress still there. We might as well have the attitude and understand I don't care how spiritual you are, how long you've walked with God, how much you read the Bible, how much you pray, how much you fast. You can fast and lose so much weight, you could choke yourself going through your own belly button, and you're still going to be in a world full of stress and anxiety. The point is, how do we deal with it? Don't care who you are, what church you go to. Well, we can run from stress, but it catches us. We can't hide from stress. It finds us. We can't avoid stress. It catches up with us. 
Stress must be accepted as a part of our life and deal with it in a way that we can learn from it and a way that we can grow in spite of it. Again, a paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigator explained may prove to be well-founded or true. The attitude is exactly what James is trying to tell us. My brethren, count it all joy. Can you say it with me? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, which means trials or tests of life. Secondly, have a healthy view of rest. Have a healthy view of rest. We have to take time for ourselves. Anybody besides me have a hard time with that? We've got to come apart before we fall apart. We've got to rest. We've got to sleep properly. We read many instances when Jesus broke away from the crowd. You know, as I read the Bible, Jesus had a public ministry for like three, three and a half years. He took more vacations than R&R than anybody I knew. But he was more effective than anybody I ever knew. He took time to come apart from the crowds. He came apart from his own disciples. He came apart from ministry. And he spent time with God. He would go into the mountains. He would go to the seashore. He would go to his good friend's house, Mary, Martha, uh, and Lazarus. And there they would go. He would break away from the crowds, break away from the disciples, in order that he might find a place of rest and rec recreation. Let me say, recreation simply means recreation. And that's why recreation is, can be healthy for us because it is recreation of our own lives. He would retreat many times. Apparently, Jesus loved the great outdoors. And too many of us allow stress and anxiety to keep us awake at night. Anybody besides me? Now, my wife and I, we talk about this so often. And we'll, especially Sunday night. She did this to me Sunday night. It's about quarter to 10, and I've turned everything off from the week and all the problems. I mean, Sunday was a long day. I mean, I, I got here early, got up early and studied, got here early, preached two times, had a counseling session that afternoon, had a service that night, had board meeting that night. And I go home, and I'm sitting here, and my mind just, shh. And about 15 minutes to 10, she asked me a church question. And I went, Donna, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, I just turned it off. It wasn't her fault. That's the way I'm put together. We allow stress and anxiety to keep us awake at night. Anybody besides me? How do we often turn that off? We're stressed about the problems of the day. We're filled about anxieties of what we think is going to happen tomorrow. We're filled with anxiety about people and places and things and circumstances. Our plate gets full very, very quickly. And we don't deal with this stress and anxiety as best as we could. God help us learn to relax. God help me learn to relax. Now, my wife, I don't care what kind of day she's had, she pillows her head and she's gone. I'm over there wrestling with the sheets. And I get so tired of wrestling with the sheets, I finally just get up and go somewhere else. Unless I start snoring first and then she gets up and goes. The psalmist said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. With all that the church was experienced by the way of persecution and pain in the early church, the writer of Hebrews said, there remaineth therefore a rest, and note this, 
to the people of God. The world deals with stress and anxiety by drinking and drugs and this, that, and the other, party, hearty, you name it. But there remains a rest to the people of God. How do we enter into that rest? The Hebrews said, enter in. The, the, the church and, and the, the, the people that the book of Hebrews written to were second or third generation Christians that were severely being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. As long as they were serving God under the Old Testament law, everybody liked them, they were fine. But when they accepted Jesus Christ, all hell broke loose. They were being martyred, they were being burned in oil, they have been filleted alive, they were being in prison, they were being flogged, they were being persecuted. So they said, hey, we can't handle this. We'll just go back and serve God under the Old Testament law. And the writer of Hebrews said, there's nothing to go back to. Sometimes serving God God's man, God's woman, and God's place and God's time can add more stress to our life. Preachers are resigning by the dozens today. There's one district, Appalachian District, where I came from. There are 11 churches in that district without a pastor right now. And many are giving up because of stress and anxiety. I can write a book on it, friend. We all can. But we've got to learn to rest and rest in the Lord. You ever... How many of you had surgery that they had to give you a knockout drug? You're the nurse. Is it Prufalol? How do you pronounce it? Close enough? Well, anyways, the one that killed Michael Jackson, he abused it. I had that stuff when I had shoulder surgery and when I had knee surgery. And they gave me the little cocktail, they call it. And then they said, okay, count to 100 backwards. I don't need to. I'm leaving now. I feel it. I'm gone. When I woke up, 5, 10, 15 minutes later, whatever, that was the most restful feeling in the world. I said, can we do it again? And she said, no, we've got to move your head just right because you can die from this stuff. It's just serious stuff. But you talk about rest. Oh, my word. I rested. It was beautiful. I said, God, let me learn to have that kind of rest with you. Let me learn to have that kind of rest with you. Being tired, sleepy, and worn out only adds insult to our injury. Not only will we be stressed out, we'll be an eel pill in the, in the process. An old, guy, an old lady went to the doctor one time, and she's having her examination. And she said, you wake up grumpy in the morning? She said, Lord, no, I just let him sleep. <laughs> and, no, 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 do you wake up grumpy in the morning? Oh, yeah, I don't get enough rest, so I wake up grumpy in the morning. We get grouchy, irritable, and upset, only it just adds more drama to our situation in life. Take time to sleep. Take time to rest. That's spiritual, by the way. How many hours of sleep do you need? Depends on who you are. For years and years, I went on three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. Not as a workaholic. As I get a little older, I take a little more time for that. Some can get away with five, six hours. Some seven to nine hours of sleep. What works for you, do it. We need it. Second, thirdly, have a natural tranquilizer. This helps deal with stress. Maintain proper diet. Eat correctly. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, protein, dairy. They're essential in dealing with stress. And the more carbs you eat, the more carbs we eat, the more comfort food that it is to us, and the more, I think, for me, it adds more stress because it's a quick fix. It's a quick fix. We need to get up and move more. Again, you say, Pastor, this ain't spiritual. It is spiritual. Everything is not a spiritual problem. 
I, I hate exercising. I like having exercise, but I don't like exercising. I hate going to the gym, but I love having gone to the gym. I love to ride the bike. I was doing 70, 75 miles a week on the bike until I busted up my leg. But there's, I hate to take that first part of exercise. I don't like But then all of a sudden you begin to feel good. Your body runs off of the endorphins. But man, nobody wants to start because we're sluggish, we're worn out. But once we begin the exercise, it's amazing how the endorphins are replaced within our body and things happen. So do something to start your metabolism, to keep it burning. Do something to feed the endorphins in the body and put natural energy back into your system. You'll be surprised how physical exercise will give you more endurance, make you feel better. And not only that, but lose some weight along the way. I saw something of the day that said, I, the body is 60% water. And the guy said, I'm not fat, I'm just flooded. <laughs> so may, maybe that's a good excuse. I'm not fat, I'm just flooded. Anybody else like that? <laughs> Fourthly, have a sounding board. Now, some may disagree with this, and that's fine. But I think it's important that we find many times we need a counselor. We need somebody that we can trust that we can pour our hearts out regarding the stress and the anxiety that we're going through. There are paid counselors out there that people have gone to. Uh, there's some friends that you can go to that you can trust. There's pastors you can go to, uh, hopefully that you can trust. Uh, I know that we should cast our care upon the Lord, but friend, there's sometimes you need somebody who's got a face. I should be honest. You can cast your care on the Lord like we're supposed to, but there are times we need somebody with a face that we can just sit there and talk to and not judge us, but just talk to us as we pour our hearts out to them. There's sometimes there's chemical imbalances in our minds, there's hormonal imbalances in our minds that can be caused by disease, that can be caused by uh, uh, some type of uh, whatever, but it can happen. The body is a delicate machine and it needs fine tuning. And the thing about it is we'll take our car to the shop when it needs a tune up and that's okay. But we're reluctant to take our body to the doctor for a tune up because we think there's something sinful about that. But we are a delicate machine that needs fine tuning. Lifestyle, work, pregnancy, change of life, etc. A number of things can bring about a chemical imbalance or a hormonal imbalance. There's a man up in Virginia that lives across the street from where my parents lived. I went to talk to him one day. He runs a, 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 a car business. And I went to talk to him, and he said, My wife has left me. He was a Church of God teacher. They went to church faithful. They both loved the Lord. He said, She's just acting crazy. She's taking all my money. She's going to Ohio. She's going to leave me. Blah, 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 blah. And he was, he was at wit's end. She don't want me touching her. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, Wayne... Take her to a female gynecologist. I said, it sounds like to me, I'm not a medical doctor, but it sounds like there's some hormonal or chemical imbalance. Just take her, explain to him or her what's going on, because she won't admit to it. And they took her, and they sat down, and they gave her this little happy pill, <laughs> just this little happy pill, and put her right back on target from where she needed to be. There was something either hormonally or chemically that was messed up in the brain. No fault of her own. It's just like a car gets out of alignment. It's just like a car gets off of timing. It's just like a car can mess up at times. We go back and we fix it. It's the same thing with the human body. And they're married, still married. They're doing wonderful. And, and you know why? Because they were able to have something, uh, a sounding board. 
And I'm grateful to God for that. He's happy, she's happy, and they're living a good life. Also, have a battle plan. Have a battle plan. Since we know that stress and anxiety are predictable, and we know that they're problematically, we should be ready for it when it comes our way. Now, friend, we don't, want, we, we don't know when stress is going to hit us. We don't know what direction it's going to come. We don't know what circumstances are going to cause it. We don't know how long it's going to stay, and we don't know when it's going to go. So we need to be ready for it. How? By maintaining a proper relationship with the Lord. Now, this is really spiritual. We know to do this. Maintain a proper relationship with the Lord. Saturate your life in the Word of God. Now, be honest with me. How many of you are like me? When stress and anxiety comes, I find it harder to read God's Word. I find it much harder to read God's Word. You know why? Because I think the enemy and the flesh would rather keep us burnt out than dig in with God. Because the more I get into God's Word and the more I let God's Word get into me, the more weapon I have, the enablement I have to combat the stress and the anxiety. God may speak to me about something that will help me through that stress and anxiety, but the flesh don't want that. We'd rather handle it our way. At least I would. I don't know about you. I'm just being honest with you. So saturate your life with the Word of God. Maintain a proper relationship with the Lord in prayer. It's easier to read books about the Bible than it is to read the Bible. It's easier to listen to worship songs than it is to pray. Huh? I'm just, I'm being honest with you. And yet prayer and the word of God is what's going to get us through the stress and anxiety because we're all going to face it. Practice the presence of the Lord. This is vitally important. You're not winning your victory today. Today, you win your victory today according to what you did with God yesterday. Are you with me? Paul and, and Silas and Peter and those guys, they didn't win their battle the day they went in prison. They won their battle way back down the road here. And that way when the prison time came and the stress and anxiety came, they already had walking in the presence of God. They go, hey, we're here. Didn't take you by surprise, did it, God? We, we had this conversation this morning, right, God? We're here. So help me through it. Enjoy your walk with the Lord and be like the Apostle Paul. When he was placed in himself in stressful circumstances, he could say, none of these things move me. I'm intrigued with that. He never did say these things don't hurt me. He said they don't move me. How many times do I need to walk around that same mountain before I can also say before God, God, this hurts, but it's not going to move me. I know my Redeemer lives. I know I'm in your will. I know I'm following your leadership. I know you have me where I, want, I need to be. Together, we'll get through this stress and anxiety. I want to see what's beyond this. But don't let me fail the test where I'm at right now. He found joy, Paul did, in the journey. He won his victory today, yesterday. When stressful times come in our way, we may not have time to pray through it the moment that they come. That's what's important. They've already been prayed through before they come. Sixthly, have an escape route. Have an escape route when stress and anxiety comes. That's almost the same thing as coming apart before you fall apart. Don't laugh at me. There's no mountains in Florida. You know that. The highest one I've ever found is down in Tampa. Ninth floor of the parking garage at the airport. 
First hour's free. <laughs> when I feel the stress and anxiety, I head to the mountain, Tampa. Hadn't been in there a long time. I probably need to go. There's just something about getting up there and looking out over the bay. And by the way, they could pay me to watch planes land and take off. I, I'm fascinated by that to this day. I don't know how they jack one of those things up off the ground, let alone fly it off. But there's just something about standing there and seeing the world that's bigger than me and seeing a world that's bigger than my problems and recognizing there's a God who created it all that's bigger than my stress and bigger than my anxiety. In the summer, I mow the yard at least twice a week. I put my headphones on and I'm out there worshiping God when I mow. That, that to me is an escape route. Do something. Do something. All this will help you retreat from the things producing the stress and anxiety. It offers a reprieve, if you will, for a few hours. It gets your mind off of the problems. You get your mind off the circumstances. And it puts your mind on something else. You've got to get out of that environment that brings that stress and anxiety. You can't run from it. But you can have an escape route from it for a few hours. And you'll find it'll work wonders in your heart what God can do. And then, again, you may not think this is spiritual. But I have regular medical exams. Jesus was writing to the Christians. Understand that. James was writing to Christians when he said, count it all joy. This prescription does not work for the unsaved. Did you hear me? This prescription does not work for the unsaved. This is what James gave to the body of Christ. Count it all joy. And if we adhere to what Jesus did, what Joseph did, what Job did, what Paul did, we can do the same thing and we can say, I don't like what I'm going through, but I like what I'm going to. So I can count it to joy, Lord. I'm in your will. I'm in your plan. I'm in your place. This did not take you by surprise, but God, it's killing me, but it's not going to move me because I know a better day's coming. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. No sinner would approach stress and anxiety and count it all joy the way that we do. It's remarkable the way God has laid this out for the child of God. But here is the problem. Most of us, not most of you, but most of us, we deal with stress and anxiety the same way the world does. Do we? Do we? We deal with stress and anxiety much the same way the world does. We react to it. We get angry with people. We get angry with circumstances. We get angry with God. We get angry with ourselves because it's natural. But I hope that we'll take this prescription of paradox tonight to help. We view life differently than the world because we've been given a power from a different world. Our citizenship is not on this earth, our citizenship is in heaven. You've heard me say it many times. I am not a citizen of earth going to heaven. I am a citizen of heaven passing through this earth. And there is stress and anxiety in this world will be to the day that we die. And even the day that we die, we're going to bring stress and anxiety on somebody's life the day we die. The way it is. But I'm looking to another world for the strength that can come. Every stressful trial can become a God-given opportunity for growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ. May I say it again? Every, every stressful trial can become a God-given opportunity, if we don't blow it, to become formed in fashion more like the person of Jesus Christ.
Do you swim that deep yet? Nor do I. But we're gaining it, friend. We're trying to get there. We're hoping to understand day by day. Oswald Chambers said, Every humiliation, everything that rises or vex us is God's way of cutting a deeper channel through us in which the life of Christ can flow. Let me say it again. Every humiliation, everything that tries and vexes us is God's way of cutting a deeper channel through us in which the life of Jesus Christ can flow. Stress, stress, stress. It's a paradox. Stress is predictable. It's going to happen. Stress is problematic. You don't have problems from it. But thank God stress is a paradox. James said, consider the joy because it is used to bring us into spiritual maturity. It's used to bring us into spiritual maturity. Being spiritually mature don't mean how much I shout. Being spiritually mature to me is not how much I'm using the gifts of the Spirit. Being spiritually mature to me is not how well I preach or sing. Being spiritually mature is how am I like Jesus in life. When the proverbial rubber meets the road, how do I live? Like, do I let Jesus live through me or do I let the flesh and the carnality live through me? Somebody said in an old songwriter years ago, it took him a week to make the moon and the stars, but he's still working on me. Thank God I'm still a work in progress. How about you? So don't give up on me because he hasn't. And I'm not going to give up on you because he hasn't. He went on to say, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I said again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. That means complete and entire, wanting nothing. Anybody ever prayed for patience? How'd that work out for you? How does patience come? Tribulation. When I first became a Christian, I was the most impatient person you ever met in your life. And I prayed, dear God, I need patience. And then my world started turning upside down. And I thought, this ain't right. Then I read the Bible, tribulation works patience. I mean, it just blew up my face. I had to shave my beard off in those days because I got stuff in my beard. I mean, it, it car go over the mountain. I mean, just you name it, it was going bad. And I wasn't allowing the perfection of that to work. I was allowing the frustration to come out. Friend, we've got a long way to go in life, but I'm grateful God hadn't given up. I hope you got something out of this. By the grace of God, next time we gather, I want to talk about stress being purposeful. There's a purpose behind it.